Hello and welcome into Coach's Corner. The date is October 5th. It is a Wednesday and as always, I'm here to recap the previous week's NFL action. Week number four, got some good games to get to, some interesting things to take away from each one, and we're all set. (laughs) With that being said, let's get into it. Welcome you into Coach's Corner. As I stated, the date is October 5th. It is a Wednesday, and we are back with our weekly NFL recap. However, I do have something to sing for the audience. The Mets really suck. The Mets really suck. They don't know how to win the division. The Braves are on top. Yeah, another division title in the hands of the Atlanta Braves. That is five, five division titles. The Mets will never know how that feels. The Mets really suck. Yeah, the Mets really suck. The Mets really suck. They'll never win anything. That is right. The Atlanta Braves finally clinched the NL East after a long, long division battle against the Mets. They had to come back from 10 and a half games down, and they wouldn't be able to do it, you know, without basically everyone playing on all, clicking on all cylinders. Obviously, it wasn't pretty all the time, but they finished the season at an unreal pace. And finally, before the last game of the season, capture their fifth division title in the last five years, obviously. And the Mets find themselves playing the wild card against the good old Padres. So, um, man, it feels really good to be on top. This the season's been a long one. You know, it obviously took a lot of time, took a lot of mending, trying to figure out how to, you know, get claw and scratch and fight your way back into the division and become the NL East champions and getting that two seed is huge because you get a buy. It's a whole thing. It was a whole big ordeal to try and get to this point and the Braves finally did it. I'm paying homage to Edwin Diaz. I felt like I had to do my own Timmy Trumpet type song. So that is the happiest note that I can give you. Kenley Jansen, <laughs> no heartstrings being pulled. AJ Minter decided to do it tonight, but that's okay. That's okay. We got through it. Braves win, and I'm sure the lineup tomorrow will be hilariously awful. Very excited to see it because, you know, everyone's going to be resting. No, Nothing to play for. Last game of the year. I'm Yeah, I'm pretty sure it'll be a very hilarious lineup card to see. And I'll be there to see it, not in person, but I, I will, I can't wait. I cannot wait for the Braves to tweet that out and to get that lineup card and just, it'll be hilarious just to see. Back to what the original topic of the show is. Of course, we have our Wednesday show. That means we talk about the NFL 
That means we talk about all the action we saw over the weekend, some takeaways from every single game we recap. With that, let's start on Thursday Night Football. So starting off on Thursday Night Football, um, really the game is not the story, definitely, in this um I don't want to call it a tragedy because, you know, it wasn't a death or anything. It was really bad, but uh, the Bengals do get the win, 27-15. Bengals move to 2-2, two two, Dolphins 3-1, and one, undefeated, no more. And this game really is just headlined by Tua getting um, hit, not in, even in a malicious way. It was a very normal play, a normal sack. Um, however, if... This is your second concussion in five days. This is not a normal sack. It very clearly did a lot of damage. And Tua, unfortunately, just, you know, seized up. And, you know, both hands went into the air. The fingers looked all crazy. It was it was a sight. It was a scary sight. Really bad. Um, a doctor's been fired. The NFLPA is doing a whole investigation over the matter. Everything about this is, was just awful. I mean, there's no other way to spin this. The Dolphins, really, it's malpractice. The coach, malpractice. Mike McDaniel, I know you're a rookie coach and everything, and you want to win games, but there are times where you just have to step up and be a leader because that's what you're hired to do. You're hired to be a leader as the head coach. And I mean, anyone above him should be also ashamed of themselves because... I mean, we saw Tua on Sunday get up, shake like shake his head visibly, fall down to his knees, and have to be helped up by his lineman. That was covered up as a back injury. I think the world knows now that that's not a back injury. No matter what was said, no way. There's no way. So that was said. It's, and he goes back into that game, which is way more unacceptable than him playing on Thursday because... God knows what would have happened if he gets slammed down again. You know, that's twice in one day in a very short period of time. A very scary stuff. And then comes out on Thursday Night Football here, which, you know, it's not even a week. It's not even a week after that event happens. He comes out again and hits the ground. And, I mean, what very easily could have derailed his life, not even just football career, his life. You know, Ryan Chazier... Obviously, he didn't do the same type of injury, but he his nerve, like the spine, just went out on him, and his football career is over. I mean, something very sim like could have easily happened to Tua here, and I mean that's just that's the story here. There's no other real way to put it. I mean, it's just very tough, and as as someone that's been very critical of Tua as a football player, this isn't the way I want to like, you know, be right that. Tua won't be a good NFL quarterback, not because he he his brain is j- j- like fried from being banged around with three concussions in a week or anything. I don't want to be right like that. It's it's dirty money, you know. It's it's a dirty opinion, and so that it sucks because of that. And like, there's just, I mean, he's ruled out this week, but I mean, that, they didn't rule him out until like yesterday. So like. They played it out like he could have played, but there was no way. Like it's a nasty situation for a franchise that's kind of been already very nasty, just in the headlines this off season with all the stuff with Brian Flores, 
you know, uh, the owner, Stephen Ross, is suspended. He's not even here. He's not even, like, able to attend games. He's suspended because they found that he was offering money for Brian Flores to lose, and he's playing it off as a joke, like, saying he was joking around. But, I mean, the investigation doesn't have it that way. You know, it, it's just a very, very messy, sticky situation down in Miami. I don't, I don't know where to begin with them. Uh, I mean, aside from all that, aside from all that badness, looking at the game, uh, Joe Burrow had a solid day. Joe Mixon had a good day. Tyreek Hill once again stuffing the stat sheet. Uh, But going forward, going forward, the Dolphins are in a very precarious situation because they have Teddy Bridgewater, who's a fine player, but we know that he's not starting quarterback. And he's going to be leading the Dolphins now for at least the foreseeable future. And the thing is, he has weapons. He has Tyree Kill. He has Jalen Waddle, obviously. So two very quality weapons. It's just, can you survive long enough with this cast? And the thing is, they play the Jets on Sunday, who just got a good win. I think they can win that. I do. But then they play the Vikings. They play the Steelers, who, you know, could be challenging if Kenny Pickett turns out to be at least a serviceable quarterback. The Lions, like, these aren't, with Teddy Bridgewater at least, these aren't, you know, walk-in-the-park type games. They're a little bit of, little bit of mustard on them, I think, like a little bit of, you know, stench to them where it's like, these could be wins, and these might be very important wins that we need to be a top wildcard spot or an AL East or um, AL an AFC East uh, division winner. These are games you need to have. These are gimme games. And with Teddy Bridgewater, it just murks the water up, makes it a little bit trickier to win these type of games. And, you know, I, I just, the Dolphins just, I don't know. I have no idea how to project this team ran by Teddy Bridgewater. I, Mike McDaniel has his work cut out for him on the offensive side of the ball. The defense is really good, so they should be fine. But, yeah, Miami's just in a very tough spot. Tough, tough, tough spot. Also with the cloud of the concussion stuff. Like, that does not help at all. So, Miami might be in for a rough middle half, middle part of the year until we at least get word on Tua being okay. But on the Cincinnati side, uh, you know... They did their part. They did their job. This was a home game for them. They had the white alternates. Like the energy was there for them. Uh, Joe Burrow had a, a fine day. Got sacked only one time. They needed that big time. Joe Mixon had a solid rushing day. T. Higgins had a big day. You know, just the offense of Cincinnati looked like the offense that we were used to. Now it wasn't perfect. It wasn't, I'd say, cleaned up at to the point that we've seen it in the past. But it was a big step up from what we have seen, like I said. So maybe this is how the Bengals get on the right track. It doesn't get any easier because they play Baltimore on Sunday Night Football in Baltimore. So that will be tough. But the Bengals have done a good job with kind of owning owning Baltimore. I mean, they blew them out last year by a ton. So Joe Burrow surgical in against the Ravens. We'll see how that turns out for him. Moving on to the first game of the day that I have here in front of us, my Atlanta Falcons tied for first place in the NFC South 
beat the Cleveland Browns. And this is the Browns team had a week plus of rest. Uh, they were missing Miles Garrett because of a car accident. But, I mean, really, Cleveland just, Cleveland's defense just kind of rolled over and just kind of died, you know? I mean, Cleveland had several spots in the game that they just didn't convert on fourth downs. That was a big, I think, story of this game. And the Atlanta Falcons, despite Marcus Mariota trying his hardest to not win this game, they end up winning this game. And unfortunately, Cordell Patterson played the game, but I don't think he should have. You know, he ended up having a procedure done and it's his knee. So he's on the IR out at least four weeks. But really, Cordell wasn't really a big part of this game as, as he was the past two weeks, two, three, two to three weeks. So this was the Tyler, um, hopefully a lead alligator. I, I don't know how to pronounce it. <laughs> A leader, uh, a rookie running back from BYU. That's how I put it. He hopefully this is his coming out party. Caleb Huntley, his first NFL game. Hopefully he will be a contributor in the running of the game. Because I mean, yeah, the the Atlanta Falcons because Marcus Mariota was so bad and just so non-effective in the past game, just said forget it and just ran the ball. They ran the ball 14 times after Marcus Mariota's interception, and it worked. It worked to perfection. The offensive line was giving him lanes, giving the guys all lanes to run through. It was just, it was a great sight to see the Falcons really kind of just bully a team on the offensive line. Something I haven't seen in a long time. And so it was refreshing. It worked. And the Falcons did that very well and managed to do that. They were the last, they weren't the last team to get the ball, but they were had the last like long drive in the game before the two minute drill type deal goes into play, and they managed to go down, kick the game winning field goal, win in Atlanta, and move to two and two. So a big, like I said, big win for them. Buddy, it's Mark. It's Marcus Mariota has to go. Desmond Ritter has to get in. This is it's the dumbest thing to see now because. This Atlanta Falcons passing attack is so non-threatening. Like, just no real concern, I think, with any secondary with this offense under Marcus Mariota. You know, Kyle. you have Kyle Pitts, you have Drake London, and they're doing nothing. They're doing absolutely nothing. Alameda Sakias had two catches for 55 yards. That's your leading receiver. He had one play that was definitely a busted coverage where he was wide open. Mark Smirota tried to mess that up, but he didn't. Zacchaeus got the ball. It was a 42-yard gain. If you take away that catch, Zacchaeus has one catch for 13 yards. And, you know, that's just... It's just really bad, you know. It's just a really, I think, embarrassing performance from the passing attack. Marcus Mariota, sorry, man, you're a great guy, but I, if I want to win football games sooner than later, I have to see Desmond Ritter play. I have to. So we'll we'll ha- it's a situation to keep an eye on because we do have another benching in the league that we're going to get to, but nonetheless, yeah. Uh, Cleveland, Cleveland side of the ball. I mean. Nothing, nothing really bad. It's just, like I said, they just didn't really convert in certain spots. The defense wasn't consistent, you know? I mean, it's just you, you let a team bully you down the you know down the entire field. This is 
you know, this is the results. You lose the game 99% of the time. Uh, I mean, Nick Chubb had a good day. Jacoby Brissett, really, I I mean, Mari Cooper got shut down by A.J. Terrell, so I understand why Brissett didn't have a great day because Cooper's a big part of his passing attack, but still very disappointing compared to what we've seen the past couple weeks from Brissett. And yeah, I mean, I think this was re- this was really a story of two quarterbacks that really couldn't pass the ball. It's just one team managed to run it at the end a lot better than the other. So Falcons have a big game coming up with Tampa Bay. We'll really get a feel on if this team can actually win the division or not. I still lean no, but it'd be cool to see. You know, I can't can't hate it. Over in old London town. The bloody football bounced off the upright twice. Yes, the New Orleans Saints double doinked a field goal at the very end. Vikings managed to get the win. A uh, big win for the Vikings. They kind of needed this to stay, I think, relevant, you know, in a division that has the Packers in it. Uh, because, yeah, I mean, the Saints are bad. Saints are really bad. They're, you know, Andy Dalton's out there because Jameis Winston's out. Alvin Kamara was out. Like, Different reasons for, like, why the Vikings need to win this. Number of reasons. But the Saints being a bad team is one of the reasons. You have to win these games. Kirk Cousins does. He manages to get the win. Dalvin Cook runs for some good yardage. But Justin Jefferson, you know, kind of quiet last couple weeks. Had another great game as he did the first week. So Vikings get a big win over in London. A uh, funny stat. Funny stat I saw: uh, Green Bay and New York are flying over to London, London to play the game. They're both three and one. You know, this is the first time that we've sent two winning teams over to London. It's never happened before, and I mean, it makes sense because we always send Jacksonville over there, and Jacksonville's never winning, so it makes sense. But I thought it was a very funny stat, and really, really, the Giants shouldn't be a winning team right now. So you really could put an asterisk on that, but as the records stand, that is what happens. Uh, but from here though, I don't, the saints, the saints offense is downright putrid. It's, it's just, it's really bad. I, there's no real other way to describe it. Chris Olave is a bright spot in a very bad situation. Uh, he, I mean, he'll probably get some rookie of the year love outside of like Drake London and a couple others, but, yeah, no, the Saints Saints offense is in trouble. The defense looks really fine as ever. I mean, obviously that's not the issue because Dennis Allen is still there, but Sean Payton leaving is a big deal. <laughs> so the Saints one and three, Vikings three and one. Haha, <laughs> Saints. Moving on. Got the Commanders, got the Cowboys, and Cooper Rush outplayed Carson Wentz. I think that's the headline to really take away from this game. It's Hi, man. Man, oh, man. Carson wins two interceptions, one touchdown, 170 yards. It's just, and I know, I get it. The Cowboys defense is legit. The Cowboys, I can't really, can't argue with anyone on that. The Cowboys defense is a legitimate passing, pass rushing attack with Michael Parsons is obviously great. Trayvon Diggs had a really good play uh, late in the game. It's just, yeah, no, I mean. Nothing else to really say here. Cooper Rush is continuing to just not turn the ball over like a normal backup would. 
now I don't think he's still very good. Like he's still he, he's still a backup and serviceable, but he's rising the ranks of being a top tier backup. You know, he's doing his job really to perfection. Uh, I think he's establishing great connection with CD Lamb. That's something I didn't see coming. You know, normally, you know, backups depend on the big guys, but you don't have that connection as good as the, your starting guy. But Cooper Rush has developed that pretty well. Six catches, 97 yards, and a touchdown. CeeDee Lamb, we've wanted to see grow into a wide receiver one, and I, I think he's doing a good job of it this year so far. I mean, I no real complaints. He started off slow, but has picked up pretty well these past couple of weeks. Uh, Tony Pollard had a bad day. Zeke ran the ball for 2.6 yards of carry. Yeah. Oof, the Dallas run attack is definitely not threatening. I'll tell you that. So I am i don't know how I feel about this Cowboys team. I, I think they're good. It's hard. It's so hard to say with Dak being out. I think they list them as questionable. I doubt he plays this week, though. It, it would surprise me. But you never know. Uh, but, you know, this, this team is... I. It has its bright spots, but I think it has dark spots where if you're not playing the Commanders, it'll show. But when you are playing teams like the Commanders and the Giants, you know, you're you're going to squeeze through these games with relative ease. And the Commanders, I'm afraid to say, Ron Rivera, buddy, you are on the way out. And I hate to say that. I don't th- I don't think he'll be fired mid-year unless they really like don't win another game in like the next five games. I mean, Ron Rivera is just a fine coach. He he he's really an awesome human being. But it's just not translating in the wins in Washington. And the defense, the thing is the defense has to look better than what they do, you know, in order for him to keep this job, but they just don't. And I know you look at the offense, obviously, ten points here, awful showing last week. Uh but but you know, I Carson Wentz is just you you tr- traded for him, and I don't. I don't know if the GM and the coach goes. I don't know if just the GM goes. Like I don't know what Washington needs to do to move forward. Obviously, they need to get a quarterback, but I don't know. Do you keep the coaching staff around that you have seen have success in the past, or do you just clean everything out? Like everything. Like I don't think you understand. I mean, every single person. From quarterback to coach, the entire staff, the GM, the entire staff of the GM. Like, I don't know where you start with the issues that Washington has. Because, like I said, I still think they have a ton of really solid op- like players. Like, they just paid Terry McLaurin. They have Antonio Gibson, who I don't think is, you know, a, a bell cow. But he's a good running back. Jahan Dotson has proven to be a pretty good pickup. He's hurt right now, but... Still, Curtis Samuel is electric. Logan Thomas is good. J.D. McKissick is good. You know, you go to the defense. Carmen Curl, Jonathan Allen, Deron Payne. Like, they're just, there's a number of guys that are talented on this roster. It's just, you are just definitely not getting the best out of them. So it might be time for a change in Washington. Very unfortunate to say that. Because I do, like I said, Ron Rivera, great person. Beat cancer. But, you know, if you can't beat the Cowboys, then I guess, you know, that's just, that'll get you fired more than, you know. That that just, unacceptable. Really tough. 
but Cowboys hats off could stay, you know, neck and neck with the Eagles. If the Eagles end up slipping up at some point, however, we'll get to them in a little bit. Moving on to the next game, folks, we got a scoregami. I don't know how other way to say it. A scoregami, if you don't know, is a score that we've never seen in NFL history before. We've never seen two teams score 48 points to 45 points. And we got that on Sunday. Seahawks-Lions combining for... Mm, let me do the math, let me do the math. 93 points total. So, absolute crazy game in Detroit. Uh, if you look at the box score, it's honestly hilarious. Like, you have Geno Smith, 320 yards, two touchdowns. Jared Goff, 378 yards and four touchdowns. Uh, Jamal Williams had 100 yards carry, 100 yards and two touchdowns carrying the ball. Rashad Penny had 151 yards and two touchdowns. You got TJ Hawkinson catching for eight, 179 and two touchdowns. You have DK Metcalf catching seven times for 149 yards. So just comical numbers all of the way around for two teams that, frankly, three years ago, you would say this would be an absolute snooze fest. But the Lions have perhaps the best offense in the league with the worst defense in the league. It's a jarring comparison to see both units on the field. And Jared Goff is, you know, part of the, um, I think, three of the top 20 most scored games in NFL history. Hilarious stat. And, yeah, the Lions defense is god-awful, and they just need to burn it down. And I don't know if they need to fire the defensive coordinator, but... The defense isn't working. Aiden Hutchinson isn't really working. I looked at some of his numbers, like just graded out how he's been. It's not good, folks. He has not been nearly as good as they need. And just, yeah, the Lions' defense, awful, awful, awful. That's going to be the thing that holds them back. Their three losses are um, by a combined point total of 10 points. So they're losing close games. And it's because that defense can't stop anyone. But God, they can score. So Lions have some figuring out to do on that defensive side of the ball. But so far, they've been one of the more fun teams in the league, which is very refreshing for Detroit fans. Seattle 2-2 two and two continues their way of uh, tanking without tanking. I mean, Geno Smith has looked really good as a starter. Like, I, I can't really argue against the results, you know. G- Geno's been getting the job done. I think they have other holes on their like whole team. Uh, but right now, you know, I just there's a lot of pieces to like about Seattle. And I think if this is kind of what they're going for, like I don't I can't see them winning many more games this year. But like if you beat the Lions, that's cool. But like no no team's going 0-17, right? Right? Old Lions, old Browns, but I digress. Seahawks two and two. Seahawks ended up like competing in the NFC West. That'd just be a hilarious subline. Going on to the next game, Titans Colts. Uh, you know, I, as a Georgia sports fan, I had a fantastic weekend. We swept the Mets. Georgia managed to beat Missouri. Close, but they beat Missouri still. Falcons won on Sunday. That's really the trifecta there. That's what you want to see. 
as a Matt Ryan fan, this game is not what I wanted to see at all. Um, and I have to address it because, you know, Matt Ryan, I've claimed, obviously, is my favorite athlete ever. Got me into football. Whew, man, if I could have gotten into, like, soccer or something, could be a different story. Maybe i pick a good team. Uh, but instead, I chose Matt Ryan and the Falcons, and these are the days that I was kind of dreading the past three years. Uh, Matt Ryan is definitely not the MVP, MVP quarterback I watched lead the Falcons to the Super Bowl. Uh, he's not even the guy two years after that that threw for almost 5,000 yards and was top three in the league in yards. Matt Ryan is unfortunately in a spot where he can't function without everyone doing their part. There's frankly no real spot for him to make an error. However, he can't really help it because he just he can't really move very well outside of the pocket. Improvising is done. He's he's basically dead to rights if you get near him. And, you know, this is no, like, Matt Ryan is awful and has been terrible and is done. Like, it's not that, but I have to acknowledge that the offensive line is terrible for the Colts. And Matt Ryan's dealt with many terrible offensive lines, but, you know, he's always been able to kind of make, he's been able to cook a little bit. And not to say he's not doing that here in Indianapolis, because, I mean, really, it's 27 for 37, 356 yards, two touchdowns and interception. That's a fine day. However, when you're down 24 to nothing and you have to claw your way back, you're going to get a lot of yards. You're going to get a couple touchdowns because you have to. And he ended up fumbling the ball a couple times, ended up throwing an interception, obviously. like There's circumstances around Matt Ryan's play that is just not positive. And it's not losing the Colts the game, but it's certainly not helping them towards at least competing in games, not even winning games, competing in games. And the run game is giving him nothing. It's just the Colts are honestly turning into a, a colossal failure. And it, I, I hate to say that because, like I said, I was rooting hard for this team. Really, the Falcons were going to be bad. I was definitely going to root for this Colts team. However, it's just I have to call it how I see it. I have to be fair here, and that's my fair assessment. A team that has aspirations of winning this division, going down 24 to nothing to your biggest competitor in the division, and then losing to the other competitor that you didn't think was going to be that good, 24 to nothing, two signs that are just awful. Like, there's no, there's no disputing it. I, I just... No one is blameless in how this Colts team has functioned. That's how I'll put it. Frank Reich is on the hottest seat. Chris Ballard, not on a much cooler seat. Like Both are in very tough positions and have to right the ship quickly or, I mean, heads will be chopped off. You saw what happened to Carson Wentz, and it was right, the right decision. I don't want to say this will be the right decision here in Indianapolis, but I, they're giving... Jim ever say no choice on to Tennessee. I mean, a fine game. Like you jump out such a big lead. Uh, Derrick Henry finally had a Derrick Henry esque game. 
Uh, Traylon Burks went down with injuries, so that's very tough to see, given the fact he traded for him and he's a rookie. Like, tough, tough look. But, I mean, if Terrick Henry's going to play like this, the passing attack can go as mild as it went. I mean, 17 for 21, 137 yards and two touchdowns. Like, not terrible numbers for Ryan Tannehill, especially from, like, what we've seen his quality of play this past couple weeks. But definitely you want to see more if you want to pl- try and beat good teams and not the Colts. So, like I said, very, very tough realization I, I have to acknowledge. I just, I have to. Moving on to, I think, the worst weird game of the day. The Well, actually, no, it's, I think it's the second worst. We'll get to the worst game later. New York Giants 20, Chicago Bears 12. F- folks, Justin Fields is bad. I don't, I don't, it doesn't bring me pleasure to report that. There's, there's just no real way to put it. Justin Fields is a one read quarterback and he is, that was a knock on him in college. It was, but that hasn't changed in the NFL and I get it. He has no one to throw to. But if you can progress through the the nobodies and find the most open nobody, I think people will happily just ignore, you know, the flaws of this team, like the flaws of your play, specifically Justin Fields' play. If you're at least looking at other receivers and then throwing it to the bad guy who's not catching the ball, People will be like, at least he saw the right person to throw it to. Now, if that receiver stinks and he can't catch worth a damn, but Justin Fields found the right guy. He's not even doing that. And it's giving you know the offense such little promise that they aren't letting him throw the ball because of that. He's only throwing the ball 22 times this game. Obviously, we know he hasn't thrown it a lot. Fun fact, another fun fact, I have a bunch of stats this week. I don't know what happened. I don't know what I've seen. It's all locked into my memory. Justin Fields has 42 completions on the season. Cooper Cup has 62 receptions on the season. Cooper Cup has 20 more catches than Justin Fields has completions. That's an absurd number in week five. We are in week five of the NFL, not week two, not week one, week five. Like, I don't, the Bears, I understand. Just just trade the kid. Get rid of him. Move on to your awfulness backup. Like, just don't do the charade anymore. Get, if you're going to give up on Justin Fields, give up already. Like, this is, you're not even making an attempt at this point. You know, you're not doing anything to elevate his game, elevate his trade value, like anything that you care about Justin Fields, like any which spin zone you want to take on it, you're doing a horrible job of doing it. Nothing looks good about Justin Fields, and he's turning into Sam Darnold. You're turning him into Sam Darnold. That is what you're doing, Chicago. I I don't know what more you need to do to get this point across that you're not going to let him throw the ball. And the thing is, the Giants aren't even like a ba- like a hard foe. This isn't like the Giants that have Lawrence Taylor, Michael Strahan, or anything. This is like a Giants team that also has a very inept offense. Both quarterbacks went out with an injury. They were running a wildcat offense for half the game. I mean, 
like this is a game you probably can compete in because of your offense is so bad. The Giants aren't much better, and they don't have a good defense. Like there are so many things that are maddening about the Bears offense that I just I can't even begin to comprehend. So I, that's my Bears rant. I I can't stand it. I cannot do it anymore. Chicago, you shouldn't be able to put up with it either. I mean, new era of a team, you know, you're the coach and GM weren't the guys that drafted Justin Fields, and I get that. But you knew who you you know you knew he was on the team. You knew. And you traded picks to get him, and he's just not living up to expectations. And I mean, even if he could, how could he? The everything's just bad <laughs> it's just the back-to-back teams making me really feel negative and hateful because it's just what are we doing here folks moving on to the i mean ah, moving on to the giants giants are three and one i mean no shame in saying it you know the the giants are three and one brian dable's done a fantastic job at coaching this offense through like i said Tyrod Taylor went out with a concussion. Daniel Jones out with a, like a leg injury, I guess. I don't think they had another quarterback activated. If they did, he, I don't, I don't see he didn't pass the ball. Uh, Saquon Barkley is shouldering this offense. Thirty-one carries, one hundred and forty-six yards. He fought for every one of those yards. I tell you. And so I, I think the Giants will obviously phase out of this like three and one phase they're in, you know, just like th- they'll fall off. They'll become a normal bad team. Probably I, I could see them winning seven games at best here. But, you know, I mean, three and one to this point, it's impressive. I, I, I have to tip my cap to Brian Dable doing a good job. Now. On to the next game, Jaguars-Eagles. Now, you know, we've wanted to see the Eagles get tested at least a little bit. And I'll say that happened this game. And, you know, Jacksonville obviously I think just collapsed really. It just was more of a, you know, sloppy game on the offensive side of the ball for Jacksonville. But they're up 14-0 at one point. Got a pick six off Jalen Hurts. You know, it was a bad passing day for him. I mean, really just not a good day in general outside of the Miles Sanders explosion, but Philadelphia Eagles get the win 29-21 over the Jacksonville Jaguars. And like I said, this game, you know, eight points looks a lot closer than I think how this game was in the entirely second half. Like Jacksonville jumped out early. Great plays by their defense. However, Trevor Lawrence, the fumble bug, once again comes to bite him. Fumbled it four times this game. Really bad sign. Threw a pick. Only 11 completions. And I just ragged on Justin Fields. So I I absolutely have to. And so that happens. You know, Jacksonville really kind of just an ugly game. They went away from James Robinson early because he fumbled. You know, just nothing really worked for offense. And I think that's a testament to how this Eagles defense is. I think the Eagles defense, like I said, is for a long time has been very legit. Just can the offense keep up? And this this week they didn't. But, you know, this is when your defense does pick you up and push you forward to be really, you know, just a strong 
strong team here. And, you know, Jalen Hurts isn't having a great day, so you give the ball to Miles Sanders, and he rushes for 134 and two touchdowns. So just a complete team effort, and the Eagles, I think, I don't want to say they're the odds-on favorite, but they by far look like the best team overall in the league. Now, on with the next game, Jets, Steelers. I have some more um, stats to throw out there, especially for this game. I don't know if I have many more, but the Kenny Pickett experiment has officially started in Pittsburgh. Mitch Risky cut, done, not, not actually cut, but taken out of the starter role. He is now the second string, rightfully so. Kenny Pickett in there. Kenny Pickett had 13 pass attempts this uh, past Sunday. 10 of them completions, three of them interceptions. So he went 13 for 13. It's just three of those were not to the right team. And one of them was a Hail Mary attempt. One of them was a bad ball. Like different reasons for the interceptions. But nonetheless, you know, Steelers end up losing this game. The Jets put off, I mean, really had a good comeback. Zach Wilson didn't have a great day, I don't think. By you know standards, you want to see second-year quarterback grow, but I think you know he had a very positive final drive, something to build on. This was a a big build-on game, you could say, for Zach Wilson. Uh, the Steelers' offense, I, I'm I don't know how the Steelers' offense will look under Kenny, because I don't think that it looked bad, but I don't know if it was like. It looked very average, which is about what was the projection for Kenny Pickett as an NFL quarterback, his ceiling. So, I mean, could it look better with time of practice week, you know, as a starter? Maybe, but something to look out for. Najee Harris just not doing anything. I I don't want to call him a bust because he's been good. It's just the offensive line is giving him nothing to work with. He's doing jack, you know what, with it. It's, he's just... Just nothing. <laughs> Just absolutely nothing really working for him. So good win for Zach Wilson and the Jets. You know, to get to two and two is a big accomplishment for a team like them. It just is. <laughs> Sometimes two and two is cool. And a lot of teams don't know what that's like. Jets, Falcons, they're they're two of those teams. Bills 23, Ravens 20. Now this was a very nasty type of game. It felt like everything was going the Ravens' way. They got a lot of nice, generous bounces. Lamar played all right. And they were up 20-3. to And then all of a sudden, that just disappeared like that. Snap the fingers. The Bills are suddenly driving down the field to go tie the game. And one of the more idiotic decisions that John Harbaugh has made and. You know, he gets credit for being a great coach. He's obviously won a Super Bowl. Genius. I won't say genius, but you know, really smart situational guy. And, and yeah, no, nothing bad has happened. And it feels like he pulls the right strings, but this past Sunday, he just kind of did not at all. Fourth and goal from, like, the three-yard line. Tw- tied 20 to 20 like you're tied it's not even like you're up and then the bills go and score off of this to tie the game no you're tied at that point you can take the lead with a field goal best kicker in the league was automatic money 
But he decides to go for it, try and go for, I guess, a kill shot. And he misses wide left. Lamar throws a pick, sets up the Bills at the 20 because of a touchback. And all of a sudden, Josh Allen gets a chance to cook. The Bills lose almost every time in one-score situation games, but not this time. They managed to drive down the field, get the game-winning field goal, and for a very nasty, I say nasty game because it was literally like the conditions, the weather conditions did not allow for this game to really be the shootout that everyone was hoping for. So you have like Lamar Jackson and Josh Allen leading the respective teams in rushing because anytime you ran the ball, it was kind of predictable. And so the team, it just, it just wasn't going well. So a really an ugly performance from the bills. I think from the first half, they make the adjustments they need to. And this was, like I said, this was a game the bills needed. I was seriously considering like selling my bill stock halfway through the game. If I had it, I might've actually done it because they just looked atrocious. They looked like they're going through the motions in a very bad way. Moving on, the Chargers and Texans. Chargers win 34 to 24. And, you know, I mean, this game really. This game really just wasn't a whole lot to really talk about because the Chargers went up by a big. Big, you know, kind of early on. Austin Eckler did his job. And I, this was the game that Austin Eckler really needed to have. He was really slow coming out of the gate. Not a whole lot happening for him. Uh, you know, just, just a bad performance overall from him. And just being involved in the passing attack was a big imp- improvement for him. You know, it's just hasn't really been smooth. It just has not. And he's a big part of their offense. He's one of the cog machines, especially with Keenan Allen out. You need him. Justin Herbert needs him. That's a whole thing. So really encouraging sign from the Chargers here. Uh, the Texans, once again, not much cooking for the Texans. You have the Damian Pierce breakout game. We've been teasing it since the preseason. Damian Pierce, Damian Pierce, Damian Pierce. The running back from Florida, rookie, finally gets in the game and blows up. 14 carries, 131 yards, and a touchdown. I mean, great day from him, so... Good to see that. And yeah, they'll they'll be good drafting CJ Stroud or Bryce Young. Very happily, too. It's Davis Mills. Sorry, buddy, but you're a good backup, not a good starter. Moving on to the ugliest game of the day. Cardinals 26, Panthers 16. And I say this because it's just a pitiful two teams, I think, that don't really know what their direction is. I mean, the Panthers know their direction is into failure. They're 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 done. Matt Rule is toast. As soon as they lose another couple games, toast. Baker Mayfield done. You know, Christian McCaffrey. Not. I mean, was in the passing game. Didn't really run well. DJ Moore's doing okay. Like, definitely not. Definitely not crazy. Um, action for this offense. It's just really anemic to watch Baker Mayfield giving them a whole lot of nothing. And he will be jobless here soon. So Panthers absolutely stink. Cardinals stink, but in a different way, they just are very inconsistent. You don't know what you're getting from them. 
Uh, Kyler Murray had a fine day, but threw a pick. So that's that. Marcus Brown or Marquise Brown, Hollywood Brown had a good day catching. I mean, this is what they traded for this type of connection. Sackers had a positive day. Just, you know, the Cardinals are just, I think that team that is, they're the middle of the pack. They are the dead center of the pack. They have a fine offense, passable defense. They might not even be the dead middle of this. Like they're, they're just the best of the bad teams, I guess. I don't I have no real thoughts on the Cardinals. I really don't. Packers-Patriots, another weird game here in the late slate. Packers win 27-24. They go to overtime with Bailey Zappi here, so concerns for the Packers' defense. Uh, Aaron Rodgers had a fine day. Alan Lazard had a good day. Like Everyone on the Packers' offense had good days. It's just the defense couldn't really stop Bailey Zappi, so... I love Bailey Zappi, a rookie out of Western Kentucky, quarterback. I thought it was weird that he went there, but I mean, it worked out because Brian Hoyer went down with an injury. Mac Jones is obviously out, so offense was running fine. They get 24 points. It felt like a lot easier 24 than what it has been the past three weeks, so a tough loss for the Patriots going down to one and three. I can't imagine they're going to really be competitive much more, uh, but other than that, yeah. Yeah, Packers, good win that they should get. Uh, Next game, Raiders 32, Broncos 23. Javante Williams unfortunately goes down with an ACL injury. Very, very tough to see that. I loved the kid. I thought he was a really good running back coming out of college. Had a really good fantasy season for me at the end. I drafted him here, and outside of the drafting him, I, I, he's just a fun player to watch when he's cooking. Obviously, the Broncos haven't done that well for him, uh, but now he's going to miss the rest of the year. Sucks. It just absolutely sucks. Uh, but outside of that news, I mean, the Raiders did their job. Josh Jacobs had a massive day on the ground. That's really where they made their money. Devontae Adams had a good day. And really, just the Broncos couldn't really get a stop when they needed to, and the Denver defense just, I mean, the Denver offense just doesn't do enough. Russell Wilson, 17 for 25, 237, and two touchdowns. Like, it's good stats, but you're not winning the game, so how good are they? I don't know. Just very funny. Very curious to me. Then now we get to the primetime game, Sunday Night Football, Chiefs-Buccaneers, rematch of the Super Bowl a couple years ago. It was my lock of the week, if for anyone that read LK League notes on LKSportsTalk.com, thank you. That's where I had this bet, lock of the week, Chiefs minus one. I thought it was Chiefs all along. Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback in the league. Let's call it how we see it. Sure, we love to see the flashy new toy with Josh Allen, with Justin Herbert, Lamar Jackson when he's running well. But folks, it's Patrick Mahomes' league. We're just living in it. And Patrick Mahomes obviously threw for three touchdowns. Just really from the start, they were all over the Buccaneers. Buccaneers had no bucking answer for them. (laughs) So there's my one Tampa Bay pun. Tom Brady had a good day, I mean, statistically, but couldn't jump out of the gate. Mike Evans with two touchdowns. Um, I'm here... I'm not saying Tom Brady's done, but this team around Tom Brady doesn't feel like it nearly gels as much as it should. It doesn't feel like it gels as much as those teams the past couple years. 
frankly, I don't know if the Tampa Bay Buccaneers will really be competitive in the NFC as a whole. I mean, really, the the way they will be is because the NFC is not good outside of the, the Eagles, I think, really. Like, solid concrete teams is certified good. But, you know, Tampa Bay really feels non-threatening to, I think, a lot of the teams like the Packers and, I mean, obviously the Cowboys lost. But, like, there are teams in the NFC that I think can handle the Buccaneers. And, you know, the Chiefs have their flaws, but Tampa Bay just really had no answer for them. And we saw that here. Easy money. Easiest money you'll ever make from me. I put down 20 I got 72 or no i got 50 bucks from this game fantastic fantastic day i love it i love it then we go to last night the monday night football game or i guess two nights ago either way 49ers 24 rams 9 that's right i mean i where to begin here with the Rams side the losers i mean cooper cup is god i don't <laughs> cooper cup's the best receiver I've ever seen in a, during a stretch. I mean, the hottest receiver ever. Like I, I don't. I've never seen someone get as many targets and then catch as many of them and go over a hundred yards. He won me my fantasy game. I was down twenty six points. He scored all of them. I needed all of them, and he he did it. <laughs> he really did it. Uh, so fantastic to see from him. But outside of that, this Rams offense looks awful. The Rams offense. Offensive line is atrocious. There's there's just no one. It doesn't seem like they're synced in at all. No one really can decipher what's happening on that side of the ball. The run game's running into nothing. Like, Daryl Henderson, Cam Akers aren't playing with any sense of, like, giddy up. Daryl Henderson's fine, but he got hurt, I think. So, and it's all just making Matthew Stafford look really bad. And Stafford's similar to Matt Ryan, where he needs the other pieces of the offense to look good for him to look good when it's not it doesn't look good so it's a very obvious thing that to point out there but it's it's true (laughs) Matthew Stafford is an improviser that can do what Patrick Mahomes does he's just not he can't do what Josh Allen does he's really good when everyone is doing their job offensive line is not obviously so there's your there's your mix-up and the defense isn't much better. The defense is just not really plugging away certain responsibilities like they should be. I, you know, it just feels like it, it, everything's just late. Everything Communication is just a bit off in every aspect of the game outside of get the ball to Cooper Cup. And that's really tough to see from the reigning champs. Don't want to call it a Super Bowl hangover because normally that's for the losing teams, but they legitimately might have a Super Bowl hangover. But you, I think you also have to factor in the 49ers kind of own the Rams. It's just kind of the nature of how this game, this matchup has been the last couple of years. Kyle Shanahan's just really good at game planning against the Rams. So Debo Samuel had a fantastic uh, day. He ran for a bunch of, or not even ran for a bunch of yards. He had a giant, you know, catch, ran like 67 yards, broke a couple tackles. Fantastic play. 49ers defense just got after it too. Like, I say the Rams offensive line is bad, but I do have to note that the 49ers defensive line is really good. D'Amico Ryans is really good at defensive coordinator. He's going to be a head coach this offseason. So another Shanahan prodigy. 
Either way, besides the point, 49ers, this is kind of like how the 49ers looked in the past couple years under Jimmy G. I mean, they lose a disappointing game to the Broncos and come back and dominate the Rams in you know, the run game, really. I mean, this is just kind of what they are, you know. Under Jimmy G, this is, yeah, this is the 49ers at its peak. So that's every game. <laughs> That'll do it for me. I My throat's hurting. Need some water here. But before I get out of here, as always, make sure to like, subscribe, do all the good stuff, rate me well. I Anyway you can improve the show. I like I'm working here and I appreciate everyone that listens, you know, listening is all the work you have to do. And I, that's the best thing ever for me. I'm totally okay with that. So please like subscribe, all the good stuff. Like I just said, make sure to check out. Okay. Sports as well. That's where I do some of my writing. I'm trying to get back into it. LK league notes. I try and drop them weekly. Basically, it's just a couple takeaways, but in written form, not in spoken form. It's it's changing the medium. It's a, it's a whole thing. Don't worry. Don't worry about it. It's behind the scenes. But either way, until next time, goodbye. <laughs>